Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Friday, December 18th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Kansas pulled off a heart-stopping victory on Thursday at Texas Tech in the Big 12 opener with huge plays on both ends of the court in the final 14 seconds. Beat writers Gary Bedore and Jesse Newell are here to tell us what happened and how those plays happened. Also, we'll cover the latest news involving Kansas's case with the NCAA, and with football signing date this week, we'll take a look at what the program was trying to accomplish. So, let's get going with Jesse and Gary. Okay, Gary and Jesse, KU with a 58-57 victory over Texas Tech in the Big 12 opener, 30th straight conference uh, opening victory for KU. Gary, were you at the last one? that Kansas didn't win? Because I was. I want to know if you remember it. Boy, what – I'm going blank now. What game was it? It was the 90-91 uh, season. They went down to Oklahoma and got beat down there. And and then they lost their second Big 12 – or Big 8 game then. They were 0-2 to start the Big 8, but they ended up winning – sharing the the Big 8 title with uh, with Oklahoma State – and they went to the national championship game that year. So um, even when they lo- lose, they win uh, <laughs> with, with, with KU. So but anyway, kind of a heart-stopping game for for the Jayhawks. Um, Gary, I wanted to get your just sort of overall impressions of uh, of the game uh, by KU and Ochai Abaji, who I may have been, to me may have played his best game in a Kansas uniform. He probably uh, was their only offense last night. He had 23 points and 11 or eight field goals. They only had 19 baskets on the night. Garrett had 10 points, was the only other guy in double figures. So uh, Bill Self was probably correct when uh, he said if anybody on Kansas was going to be the hero or make the game-winning shot, he's glad it was him. Um, because it wasn't a one-man show, but he was the only guy on KU's side hitting. He was 8 of 11, and meanwhile, Texas Tech was terrible, 32% 32 of the night shooting. So it was kind of an ugly game, but uh, KU will take it because uh, Tech's got a pretty good defense, and KU slugged it out with them and managed to win. Yeah, uh, KU will take it and get the hell out of Lubbock. Is what yeah. they'll do. I mean, for sure. So Jesse, you, you wrote a great story about the uh, about the final bucket. Uh, Ochai uh, scored it, of course, because he, he had just about all the buckets for for KU in the game. Uh, I, I thought it was really interesting the way you described uh, the Bill Self snapshots while this was unfolding. Um, it's a play that. I, I kind of anticipated them running, but maybe not the finish that we have seen from Kansas with the the out of bounds plays under their basket. Why don't you take us through what happened in the game winning game winning hoop that happened with 14 seconds left? Yeah, so there's so much going on, and it's kind of fun to go back and and rewatch and ask self and think about all the history 
But basically what happened right before that play is, is Self had run one out-of-bounds play and then Jalen Wilson got fouled, but KU was not in the bonus. So KU had to run a different out-of-bounds play and Bill Self called it kind of late. So if you actually watch, Marcus Garrett screws up a little bit. Usually what happens is uh, Bill Self actually teaches this. I've, I've been at a practice where he teaches this. He tells his guys to stand inbounds before um, they can get the basketball to deliver the play call to everyone on the court. Because if you're an official and you hand the ball to somebody who's inbounds, it's not legal. You know, you have to get the player out of bounds first. So if you actually go back and watch the replay, Marcus Garrett sort of screws up in this instance because Bill Self is making a last minute play call. Marcus is trying to sort of whisper it to his teammates. And like right after he does so, the official hands him the ball because he's standing out of bounds. So so it's 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 sort of fascinating in that aspect, but it's a play call that KU ran in the first half, and Bill Self noted this in the postgame, but it didn't work then because when Bill Self yelled out the play call, about three Texas Tech assistants start yelling out <laughs> blah, 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 blah immediately because everybody by now knows Bill Self's play calls. And if you study Kansas, you're gonna make sure that you're ready for um, whatever's gonna be thrown at you. So Bill Self was sort of able to whisper it. The only problem is, if you go back, Jalen Wilson is in completely the wrong spot. He's looking at the bench. He's got his like shoulders shrugged up, like, what am I supposed to be doing? What's going on? And meanwhile, Marcus Garrett is handed the ball from the official. And so Self, in about six seconds, he kind of stomps and screams at Jalen Wilson what the play call is. To Jalen Wilson's credit, he starts from exactly where he is and just goes and runs the play <laughs> immediately. Uh, so it's a really good move on his part. Ochai Baji loops around with that screen from Jalen Wilson, and he comes wide open. And um, it's sort of interesting if you go back in time, and I mentioned this in the story, that there was a couple years ago in the NIT championship against Tennessee where this same thing happened. They they made the looping play for LeGerald Vick, and he, his defender falls down. So LeGerald Vick is under the basket, wide open, Nobody around him. Two seconds to play, tie basketball game, and Devon Dotson throws the ball out to uh, <laughs> throws the ball out to Dedrick Lawson, who tries like a fadeaway three and it misses. So you know, Bill Self can go back in time over these film clips where he can draw up somebody being wide open, but if if your point guard misses him. It doesn't matter. And so I think the credit to this play really does go to Marcus Garrett. Uh, You know, this is a job that nobody wants because you're kind of like the snapper in football. You know, people only know your name if you screw up. I mean, KU's down one with 15 seconds left. He's inbounding the ball. And I I went on my phone and did the stopwatch. It took him 4.7 seconds to pass this ball into Ochai Abaji. And on the road, sometimes 4.7 seconds is enough to get you a five-second call. So Marcus Garrett waited, 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 searched, searched, searched. And instead of throwing the lob because there was a guy kind of jumping up and down in front of him, he finally just saw Ochai Abaji break late and just threw him a real zip pass, which is not part of the playbook at all. And so he kind of went off script a little bit, found Ochai. Ochai made the bucket. But again, so many things going on. And Bill Self went from sort of stomping to he saw Ochai was open. So he grabbed his hair out of disgust like, oh, my God, the guy's wide open. Throw him the ball. Uh, but, but Marcus Garrett couldn't. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> Ochai makes a layup and Bill Self does his shuffle like get back get back get back uh, nobody make uh yeah i'm a huge mistake on getting back on defense so it was a it was a funny six second stretch for bill self but a lot of history to it and i think part of the reason he enjoys coaching basketball because so much happened in that one play and again it ended up working out for kansas yes you're right so much happened in that in that sequence first of all you need an experienced smart player taking the ball out of bounds and and that's marcus garrett right it's it's your most experienced player as a guard taking the ball out of bounds and even, even with that, he hesitated before 
throwing the ball to Ochai. I don't know if he saw him or he waited certainly until the last possible second to for him to break. I don't know where that pass would have gone if he hadn't thrown it to Ochai. I don't think they would have gotten – I think they they would have been whistled for the five seconds if he hadn't thrown it to Ochai. So he gets he gets the ball in. It's not a lob as it has been in the past, but just a just a dart pass, as you said, that ended up in a, in a layup. And, it, you know, and, and still, Kansas took a one-point lead. There's 14 seconds to play. Texas Tech – Absolutely has a chance to win the game, but Gary, um, then then we see the defensive play of the game. Take us through what uh, what happened uh, after with, with Texas Tech's possession. Well, they uh, I think they called a timeout, so they only had six seconds to work right. with. And uh, Shannon, I was listening to Chris Beard's post game, and he said they only had two guys doing anything on offense, McClung and Shannon. So it was going to go to one of them, uh, McClung. It sounds like he wanted him to get the ball. Uh, he wanted him to get open, but Shannon took it into the lane and uh, Jalen Wilson actually blocked it, which I believe Ochai said was pretty crazy because you usually want to contest, but you don't block uh, jump shots you know, with the game on the line. But I haven't seen the replay yet, but he got a piece of it, I guess. Jalen Wilson... And uh, that's that was it. That saved the game because a bucket there and Tech would have won. Hey Blair, let me let me mention this. You want to you know talk about crazy? So two games ago, the last time KU was at Game Point, what happened? KU was up three against Creighton. Jalen Wilson got too close on a block attempt, and he fouled a preseason All-American in the act of shooting and gave him three free throws. So you want to talk about not having any fear on a play? Like, the guy goes in, he gets put in in game point again, which, again, if you're Bill Self, you probably could question yourself, like, why are you putting the dude that just fouled a three-point shooter in the final seconds back into the basketball game in that situation? And what's he do? He blocked. He has two blocks this season. He hadn't blocked a shot since the first, or the first weekend Ooh. of the year against St. Joseph's, and he comes then he blocks a guy who can jump out of the gym shot uh, when the game's on the line. Something else to go watch if, if people want to go back. Uh, sort of fascinating. Uh, Christian Brown and also, I mean, obviously, uh, Jalen Wilson mostly saved this. But uh, Christian Brown saved uh, Dewan Harris in this situation. Dewan's in there again to play defense. Uh, kind of a rookie of a rookie, that sort of thing. And I have never seen a greater instance of ball watching than I've seen from Dewan Harris when this shot goes up. I mean, the shot goes up and he just does kind of a crane neck while his defender or his offensive player, Texas Tech guy, runs straight to the rim uninterrupted and is there to kind of tip around the, the follow because, uh, you know, the, the shot went up pretty early. And so there was a chance at an offense rebound. But uh, as has been the case with Kansas, you know, when the game is on the line, they really scrap underneath. And if you see Ochai Abash, he almost kind of does like a puncher's move on his guy to keep him away. Christian Brown kind of bats the ball away, and so they're able to to wiggle that ball free. But uh, I'll tell you what, in film session, Dewan Harris is going to be hearing it from Bill Self and the coaching staff because he sort of went crane neck on that final play, and it's a good thing uh, that other guys were there to save him because otherwise that offensive rebound could have lost the game for Kansas. On a night where Harris had otherwise really good moments, right? The three-pointer that he hit was, was huge. And... Um... And how about Christian Brown's save to keep alive the possession that uh, that ended in the uh, in the KU basket by by the winning basket by Abaji? That uh, that was a really great hustle play by by Christian Brown. And um, and you talk about fouling the shooter. Kansas fouled McClung twice on three pointers yesterday. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I thought Jalen Wilson did a great job of going straight up for the game winning block and. 
the fact that it was a left-handed shooter shooting from the right side, I think, made it a little easier to get his hand on the ball. I, I imagine if Chris Beard were to do it over again, he or, or at least Texas Tech is going to work a little bit uh, more diligently on on that sort of possession. You know, uh, uh, down one, six seconds to go, ball taken out on you know on your side of the floor. Probably want to get a you know a, a better look or, or at least a, a more uncontested look than that. But anyway. Great, uh, great finish for Kansas. Uh, heck of a win, beating a a team that I think we can all agree is is top five in the big in a top heavy Big Twelve, right? I mean, along with Baylor, um, uh, West Virginia, and Texas. So uh, I know it's really early. In fact, it's the earliest the Big Twelve has ever played. But at least uh, the early results are in, and those five are um, are terrific. Had some great non conference wins, and now we're now we're into conference season. So. I'll tell you what, guys, let's let's take a little break here. And when we come back, uh, we got a couple more topics to cover. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. All right, we're back with uh, Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore, who cover the Jayhawks for the Star and the Wichita Eagle. Gary, what's coming up for KU basketball? Um, and, and, and tell us more about um, uh, fans in, in the stands. Where, where, where does KU stand on that? Well, they play West Virginia on Tuesday night at 8, and then it's time to break for Christmas and they'll play Texas on January 2. Um, both will allow fans to attend. 2,500, I think, is the number still. All three of their opening three opponents, of course, are ranked. So uh, if Self could get get out of this 3-0, and he'd be ecstatic. But uh, West Virginia is next, and there will be a few fans there for the 8 o'clock tip. And... Obviously, those games have been really competitive too. So, heck yeah, they have, and that's next Tuesday, right? Uh, K- yeah. KU West Virginia. Um, the the, the twenty five hundred. That's how many they uh, fans were in the in the building for Creighton. Is that and that's the first game that they played before um, you know more than more than friends and family. I think. Uh, for, yeah, at Allen Fieldhouse. Creighton brought a lot of fans from uh, Omaha for that game which self brought up after the game and he hardly ever mentions things like, you know, attendance and stuff, but Creighton 
piled into the field house. Right. Well, hey, while I'm thinking about this, did you guys notice from the broadcast last night? Um, first of all, Texas Tech fans seem to make a lot of noise. It was uh, it's it wasn't the fifteen thousand that you get in the United Supermarkets Arena, but uh, the the couple of that three or four thousand that were in there were making a lot of noise. And uh, I don't know if you noticed this on the broadcast, but I think at a couple junctures in the first half, you had Dan Schulman and Jay Billis griping about their um, their seat, their position. Um, they were uh, in the corner, elevated, uh, and not on the floor. I believe they were in the seats that you guys occupy when you cover a Texas Tech game there. Is that right? Yeah, I was going to say they probably had to mark off the Kansas City Star um, logo <laughs> to sit there. So uh, I don't know what they were talking about. But uh, no, actually, those are those are fine seats. Um, yes, you, yes, yeah, you can you, see. You're, 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 you can see. You get a clear vision. You kind of get your own thing. You're next to the stairway uh, up there. And uh, to be honest with you, it's the last place where I watched a – a road KU basketball game because that was what ended, uh, you know, KU's whatever you want regular. to call it season, regular season last season. Right. And, and that was before kind of the whole pandemic hit. So that one was in early March. So yeah, nothing with the, wrong with those seats at all. Um, yeah, those guys need to <laughs> suck it up. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. I think they were ticked because Holly Rowe and Maria Taylor had the cutouts on the, along the floor and, uh, and they had to sit up in the, up in the, up in the crow's nest. So, Hey, um, Jeff Long had a uh, had a media deal on uh, on on, on uh, Wednesday, or I'm sorry, on Thursday before basketball, and covered a lot of topics. Jesse, I, I know one of the topics he covered was the timeline for um, KU's uh, NCAA issue, and you know he he wasn't you know specific, and I don't know, he can't obviously can't probably can't be specific, not possible to be specific on the timetable. But he did at least, uh, you know, tell us that it was it's going to be delayed. Any kind of uh, any kind of news that we get from uh, from the NCAA, take us through what Jeff said about that. Yeah, he just said COVID had kind of put the brakes or at least slowed down the process with KU and what's gone on with their NCAA case, which has felt like it's gone on for a long time already. But this has sort of already been previously reported. I know uh, SI's Pat Forty wrote about this about a week ago, and I've kind of heard whispers of, of the same thing um, just with the process. And we wrote about this kind of in a Q&A when I talked with Naima Stevenson-Starks, who is you know, an, an person who works for the NCAA has kind of communicated how this new IARP process works, this independent process that KU's uh, case is now going through. But it is um, – nobody really knew the timeline for how this thing would shake out. But what happens with it is there's this – What's I know there's all these acronyms, so I'll try to keep them all straight. But there's a complex case unit, okay? And basically, it is a new set of investigators who goes in. They look at what the NCAA's enforcement – has compiled and what they've done and what they've basically said, and they do their own investigation. So what it sounds like with KU's case is basically um, nobody really knew how long that process would take, but but this unit is taking like a long time to sort of do its own full investigation when, uh, as we know, that's stuff that has kind of already happened from the NCAA side of it when they put forward this case and before this thing went through the independent process. So I know I'm kind of talking circles here, but what I'm, I'm kind of saying here is when you're putting forth a whole new investigation and investigating new things and potentially coming up with a whole new notice of allegations that KU is going to have to face, whether it's adding charges or subtracting them, 
that takes some time. And so I think I would be very confident in saying, you know, we didn't know this a few months ago, but this is not going to impact Kansas in this season. Um, th- there's not going to be a ruling most likely on Kansas's case until at the very earliest, probably this summer and maybe potentially even after that. And again, a few months ago, we might not have known the exact timeline when we might not have known if, Hey, let's say it came out in February and K might've taken some punishment for this particular season. I think we know now, pretty clearly that because of the delays in this and because how everything is being reinvestigated that uh, this process is going to play out a few more months and that this KU basketball season should end in the NCAA tournament even um, you know as long as that NCAA tournament is played and everything goes smoothly from there so I think that's kind of where it's at uh, like you said Jeff Long was not very specific about it and really there are no public declarations from the NCAA and the IARP until this whole thing is done but it does seem like this thing is going to take some time and that's something we might not have known a few months ago. One thing I I did read earlier this week was Sports Illustrated got uh, a hold of a of a letter that Southeastern Conference Commissioner Greg Sankey had sent to to the NCAA, and basically he was angry that the processes are taking as long as they are in, in all these cases. I mean, the this story started in September of 2017, right? The that's when the um, the, the Southern District of New York presented its case in a press conference. Um, and, um, and, 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 you know, here we are, you know, um, low these many years later and we don't, you know, because and look, the, the, some of the delays are certainly understandable, but, um, but, but Sankey's point was, you know, the, the, the credibility of, of NCAA enforcement is, is, is becoming eroded because of, of the delays and, and lack of, lack of in, information and, Transparency with with the NCAA, so there's a little bit of a pushback from you know from from that. I don't know if you got to read that this week, but uh, yeah, that's that's the same article I'm talking about. And Forty ta- kind of okay, specifically okay. talked about KU's case in there. And I think you're right, Blair. I mean, if you just follow social media and Twitter, I, I think I see every single day some random fan out there saying, "How is Bill Self still coaching Kansas? You know, how has Kansas not been punished?" And I think that's sort of what Sankey is referring to here: is that the general public doesn't know about complex case unit or IARP. They just know that they've heard about Bill Self and Kansas and men's basketball and all these NCAA allegations. And they know that that has not been resolved yet. And so if we're looking at this thing, so, you know, KU was hit with those level five or those five level one violation allegations in September of 2019. Okay. So September of last year, right now, I just told you they're probably months away from a resolution. So that's going to be you know, maybe September of 2021. And then I think it was just yesterday that Arizona got put in the IARP. And again, they're right. part of this whole thing that we just talked about. They were part of the original, um, you know, mess that uh, all these other schools were sort of drawn into with Adidas and coming out with the federal trial. So if we're putting the same timeline on like Arizona as we do Kansas, and we say, okay, it's going to be two years to t- have the for this a full IARP thing to play out. We're talking about, okay, Kansas case might be done this summer, but Arizona's might not be until like 2022 or 2023. So I think that's probably what uh, Sankey is talking about here. It's like, Hey, I get it. You know, these schools deserve their day in court and everybody deserves to, to, to be heard on this thing, but good Lord, is it going to take every school and every program five years to figure out what's going to happen? And if that's the case, then yeah, there's going to be a lack of trust in the process. And I think, uh, as you mentioned, you're probably already starting to see that from people who aren't as well informed, but, but don't, completely understand why it's taking so long okay hey let's uh let's wrap it up by talking a little football uh kansas didn't get to play its final regular season game and finished 0 and 9 uh 
you know, matching the fewest uh, defeats for a Kansas program in um, since uh, what uh, two thousand ten. So they got that going for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it was National Signing Day this week, and look, I, I've been preaching for years that you you, you don't know about uh, recruiting classes until a few years had passed. But anyway. Um, KU top 50 I saw on, on, in Rivals and maybe uh, somewhere between 50 and 55 and 247.com. What, uh, what did Les Miles say about um, about his recruiting class uh, recently? Well, he was um, obviously happy with it. Uh, you know, every coach is on signing day, as you, as you mentioned, Blair. But, um, you know, if I'm honest with, with you here, like I think – the two signing days and what KU has done in recruiting, I think that's the two biggest accomplishments that Les Miles has had on his ledger since he's gotten here. You know, you can question a lot of other things. You can say that, you know, potentially they haven't gotten as good of on-field stuff going on and then they've had other things. And obviously there's been them and a lot of other schools are facing transfer issues at the moment uh, with the portal. But for Les Miles to be able to come in and then feel the job security to take all high school players in last year's class and so far, all high school players in this year's class, I keep using the analogy, but I think it's so true. For almost a decade, every KUAD and every KU coach has kind of passed the bill on to the next person. They start to feel a little bit of heat from, am I, am I getting fired? Is my whole staff going to get fired? Then they start to panic a little bit. Then they start to bring in JUCO players uh, and transfers, and then they leave the person after them in a big hole because they're not close on the scholarship numbers. This should rectify that. I mean, this should go a long way towards rectifying that because Les Miles has remained patient, and they have taken basically all high school players the last two classes. So will they pan out? It's too early to tell. And, of course, with the transfer portal, are they probably going to take a couple transfers here late, and will they have a few more experienced guys coming in, especially compared to last year? Yes, they will. But overwhelmingly, they have not decided, you know, okay, it's two years in, you had a winless season, it's time to go out and pull a bunch of Jugo guys who can play right away. And uh, whoever the coach is in two years, uh, you know, probably a smile because that's his contract, but then whoever the coach is in four years, whoever it is, they are going to be better off because KU is going this route and trying to develop from the ground up. And so it creates some short-term pain and KU saw some short-term pain by going 0-9 this last year. But again, for Jeff Long to give the leeway for uh, less miles to do that. And for less miles to continue to remain patient with this process, K was going to benefit from, from that here in, in the, the long-term future. And again, somebody had to do it and less miles decided, Hey, this bill was not created by me, but I'm going to pay for it. And certainly he did that. And that, that that's going to be a positive for KU down a lot. All right, guys, great catching up. Nobody covers Kansas like Gary Bedore and Jesse Newell for the star and Wichita Eagle. We will talk to you guys again next week. Thanks. All right. Thanks. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Randy Mason, Jeff Rosen, Chris Pickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Jesse Newell and Gary Bedore for stopping by and talking KU sports. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you, especially for those that want to deep dive into the stars. Terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? I know I do. Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. 
sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at accounts.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email at bkirkhoff at kcstar.com. I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the sports pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Monday with a breakdown of the Chiefs-Saints game on Sports BKC.